What is up, everyone? My name is Danny, and this is the It Makes Sense podcast. Here at It Makes Sense, we address why the Christian worldview is the only worldview that makes the best sense out of the out of life and the universe. Let's get started. Uh, Christian worldview. Why does it make the most sense? Well, it's not because of the Bible, but because of the author of the Bible. So I want to be clear about that. The Bible is a book with words. Those words were inspired by God, given to men to write down. Now, I know there's a lot of questions in that. We're going to go through some facts of the Bible, but I want you to stick with me. we got a long ride here, but we're going to go through it, all right? God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had 40-plus human beings write down in human language all he wanted us to know about him and his love and his plans for us. Now, keep in mind, he didn't possess them. He didn't you know, put them in a trance, but he used their personalities. He used their situations. He used their, their place in life, and, and there's so many cool things about who they were. We had kings. We had slaves. We had politicians, servants. We had shepherds. I mean, we had all sorts of people that, that from different countries and different places and different times doing and writing uh, and being inspired by God to write down his words so that we can know him personally. We call it God's special revelation to us. The Bible is the most unique and enduring book ever written in history. And the title of this podcast is the best-selling book of all time. And it is by far, by billions, the best-selling book of all time. No other book comes close to its claims, its reliability, its longevity, and its scrutiny. So here are some quick Bible facts. We're going to pull up an image here, and I want to show you guys a couple things real quick. Just to know, simple facts, books in the Bible, there's 66. Remember, it's a library. It's not one single book. 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. It's split up into those two Testaments, the Old and the New Testament. Shortest book in the Bible, 2 John. Longest book in the Bible, Psalms. Chapters in the Bible, 1,189. There's 929 in the Old Testament and 260 in the New Testament. And you guys can go through the rest of that, maybe clip that, screenshot it. Lewis S. Schaefer, an American theologian in the early 20th century, he made this claim, and I think this is a pretty significant claim. The Bible is not such a book a man would write if he could or could write if he would. Uh, you really can only truly understand this statement if you have read the entire library of biblical books from Genesis to Revelation. Now, you could probably get into it and get started. You'll realize real quick, this is a special book. It's, it's very different. The reason why he made that claim is because being the inspired, uh, inspired word of God, that claim that the Bible itself makes is saying that man can't write this. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of characteristics about books that are written by men that you don't see in the Bibles. For instance, Usually the victors, they say, writes the story. The Bible is writing very unflattering things about the heroes in the Bible. There's, there's a lot of things that we know about uh, King David had a man killed so he could sleep with his wife, or after he slept with his wife, had a man killed. And uh, they call David, you know, David being the guy that the Jews look to. Um, Moses, you know, he, he ran away after he murdered somebody into the desert, trying to run away from, from what he did in, in Egypt. You have Abraham, who literally gave his wife over to um, some guys that they ran into, and he lied about saying that was my sister, you know. So there, there's some things in the Bible and about the characters that you would not probably write about those things. Dan Kimball, an author, he recently wrote this book called How Not to Read Your Bible. Now, not in parentheses. And the subtitle is really interesting. It's Making Sense of the Anti-Women, Anti-Science, Pro-Violence, Pro-Slavery, and Other Crazy-Sounding Parts of Scripture. It's, it's really wild, I know. But it's a great book, and it's something that's really simple and easy to read. Kimball really wants to 
to make sure we understand when we read the Bible, there's a way to read it and there's a way not to read it. So he starts us off on the right foot, and he wants to help us understand the correct way and how we need to approach Scripture. Number one, first, the Bible is a library of books. It is a collection of books. It's a library, so so to speak. So when you walk into a library, you've got different sections. You've got historical, you've got law, you've got poetry, you've got uh, letters, correspondence, things like that, biography. When you go into those certain sections, you read those books, all right? You're reading these books in the way that they're written. You won't read a poetic uh, book the same way you'll read a book of law. You won't read a letter the same way you'll read a um, biography. So you've got to understand the genres and, and the way these books are written. You've got to understand that so you can get a, a proper in, inter- interpretation or context, okay? So you've got books of poetry, historical books, lyrical books, personal letters, biographies, books of law, prophetic books even, and many more. You can't look at Genesis the same way you look at Revelation. It's just it, it, you won't get the understanding that you need. You can't always read it literal. You have to understand things like metaphors and similes. You got to understand hyperbole. You got to understand things like that when you're reading, just like you do any other book. Okay, uh, we would not read and interpret Shakespeare's stories the same way we would we would read, you know, an autobiography. So just in the same manner, we have to treat books now. We have to treat the Bible in that same way. It helps us to avoid incorrect interpretations and, and bad theology. Number two, the, the book was written for us and not to us. When we read the Bible as if the author intended it for us in our day and time, we will inject our meaning okay, and our assumptions and from our worldview of a modern day um, person into the writing, totally missing the point of the author's original intent. It would be like me trying to um, look at uh, how I can freely practice my faith here in this country, expecting that this can apply, and this does apply, that everybody in the world has that same freedom when somebody in China has does not have that freedom. Uh, other people in other countries that are Christians cannot practice that freedom openly. It's naive of me to think that I can apply everything and how I see everything through my you know, American Western uh, mindset to somebody in the Eastern world that does not have those same privileges. There's a great book called The Cross and the Prodigal, uh, subtitles Luke 15 Through the Eyes of Middle Eastern Peasants by Kenneth E. Bailey. This book is a great demonstration of how the story of the prodigal son is often misunderstood and at the very least only understood on the surface level. So Kenneth Bailey brings another level to it. You know, he was, he was an author and a lecturer. Uh, he lived and studied in, in Middle Eastern uh, culture and the peasant life. Uh, their traditions and the way of life have not changed a lot from uh, the ancient biblical times that we read about. It, you know, they're, they're very old in their ways. The way they would look at the story of the prodigal son and through their eyes would be much closer to how it was presented, how Jesus shared that story than what I would see it or what you would see it here living in this country, not having a clue of, of that culture and how those things were back then. So third is never read a verse. Now, when, the way he says it, it makes it sound like don't read scripture, but what he's actually saying is never read a verse in isolation. For proper context, we must read surrounding verses, the entire chapter possibly, um, the surrounding chapters, the entire book. I always tell people we're obviously reading from you know Genesis to Revelation. That's something that you want to make sure you do. But getting that context and understanding it will give you a better interpretation. You'll understand what you're reading better. You'll get the correct meaning of what the author was intending for us to understand. And when we read in isolation, we get wrong conclusions, and we can apply it to our life incorrectly. An example of that would be the Church of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormons. They took one verse in, in 1 Corinthians 15, and basically took that and developed an entire doctrine over that, the, the doctrine of baptism of the dead. Because in that, it, it does say that whoever Paul is talking about baptized for their dead. 
Now, it's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. We have no context as to who Paul is addressing. We do know that Paul has a pronoun shift in there where he's referring to Christians as we, and then he does talk about the people in the uh, city of Corinth that were doing pagan rituals and, and other things like that and saying, you know, a day at times. But whatever he was meaning, you know, Paul basically was trying to say that the main point is the resurrection is the crux of Christianity, not that we should baptize people who are alive today for those who are already, uh, you know, have already passed away. Fourth point, all the Bible points to Jesus, okay? It is unique in its continuity. Jesus Christ is the the person, the common character from Genesis to Revelation, all right? And, and there's so many, and, and we'll do, I'll do an episode on that. We'll talk about Jesus and just where he shows up in, the, in so many places from the Old Testament throughout all the way through the New Testament. It's completely about him. In the Old Testament, this provides the foundation for Christ. The historical books show the preparation for Christ. The poetical books, they reveal the aspiration for Christ. And then the prophets, they display this expectation of Christ. And when you get to the New Testament, the Gospels, they record the historical manifestation, Christ, Jesus in human form of Christ. And then the letters give the interpretation of Christ. And then in the book of Revelation, we find that it's all completed uh, in, in and through Christ. So with these four guidelines, at the forefront of our minds, when we're reading and studying, it will benefit us a better understanding and interpretation. If this is the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, who wrote this book for us, gave us a specific revelation of himself, and this is how we know him, how we can intimately know him, other than our experience and our time spent with him in other ways, then I think we should even at foremost put this ahead of everything and say, hey, I need to know if this, is, if this God is real, and I believe that he is, or I'm trying to find out if he is, then this, this book has some serious significance. If you look at areas of like science, you look at mathematics, you look at literature, the arts, music, um, philosophy, all right, globally and nationally, you know, the Bible has had its fingerprints, its influence in so many ways. On the other side of it, another compelling aspect is being the greatest selling book of all time. It's, it's one of the most disputed and persecuted books of all time. There's not a book in the world that creates such, and I know this may sound bad if you understand what I'm saying, it, it creates a division because of the truth that it proclaims. It is counterculture to the world that it's in. Uh, it's always been something that has always gone against the current, you know, the flow of what culture, the current society says or what the world's bringing at that time. And it's not changed. It, it's, it's constantly, it's one of the most banned books, one of the most burned books, um, one of the most persecuted books, again, of all time. This, this next image that we're going to put up here on screen, uh, came across it last week, and it says at the top how you got your Bible. Constantine and his bishops voted a bunch of books as the Word of God in 325 A.D. It says, don't just believe me. Go look it up. Now, I, I have studied this before, but I was like, all right, I'm going to go look it up. There's no reference. There's nothing here that tells me where I can go look, so I have to Google it or I have to know something about it. What direction do I go with this? Well, I've got Constantine. I looked some things up. Constantine's bishops did not convene the Council of Nicaea, which happened in 325 A.D. They did not convene that council to vote what would be in the Bible. All right, that canon was not something. A canon is a word that simply means read, and it's it's a standard, and it's what we call the Old Testament canon, New Testament canon. Those are the inspired words of God. All right, those are the books that we have, the sixty six books that we have collected. Now, I'm not going to get into Catholicism and the books that they have, the apocrypha, the extra biblical books that they have. So, three twenty five. That first statement is completely false. That's not what they're there for. They actually were addressing the nature of God, and that specifically they're affirming His deity and eternality, 
uh, of Jesus and the relationship between the Son and the Father. So when when you see things like this, this again, you've got you've got to do some study, some research. The second thing here is the, the church officially accepted all sixty six books, and this is, is going into uh, sort of the second part of it, but also talking about Constantine in three ninety seven. That was sixty years after Constantine died. So Constantine really had nothing to do with canonization. The canon was already pretty much agreed upon, so we pretty much already had all the books uh, of the Old Testament by that time. Uh, that happened in like 250 AD, uh, BC, um, or AD, I'm sorry. But the New Testament even, a lot of the books, a lot of the letters and the things, the Gospels were already concerned. There were a few disputed books, but the other uh, 21 books of the New Testament, there's 27, but 21 of those, there was no question about it. Even, even what we read about with Luke, he confirmed a lot of that. Peter recognized Paul's writings. You got 2 Peter 3, 15, 16. The count or and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Peter is is saying, Hey, look at Paul's writings, the wisdom that he's given. This is this is stuff that is from God. Um Paul quoted Luke's gospel, called it scripture, first Timothy five eighteen, for the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages, which the last part of that is actually quoted from Luke's gospel. They did not pick and choose. There was a process for this, and the process was revealed by the books that we already had. And how did they distinguish? So first of all, they asked some questions. Was the book written by a prophet of God? That's number one. Was the writer authenticated by miracles to confirm his message? Number two. And the third question, does the book tell the truth about God with no falsehoods or contradiction? Uh, The fourth question they asked, does the book demonstrate a divine capacity to transform lives? Number five, was the book accepted as God's word by the people to whom it was first delivered? They pick and choose what they want in the Bible, then burn all other pre-Christian documents that prove the religion was fictitious, and that, he says, was in 391 A.D. When I read that, and then I read his first point, I'm like, wait, so did it happen in 325 A.D., or did it happen in 391 A.D.? And then he says, you know, they burned these pre-Christian documents that proved, you know, the religion was fictitious, so... First of all, why didn't he call the pre-Christian documents pagan documents? That's what they were, all right? And these pagan documents predated Christianity. These were Egyptian pagan gods that that he's talking about here. Um, and again, why would an old religion try to disprove a new religion? The documents were already written, were already there. They were already in existence. They had no idea, they had no clue about Christianity. So there's no way that they would be able to prove that Christianity was false. If anything, they're just talking about their own religion. They never got to look at these documents, so how would they even know that they proved anything? Um, the burden of proof here is on the person who drew up this meme. They, uh, they're, they're, they're lacking in, in their evidence here just by making a statement that they're assuming, being pre-Christian documents, say, hey, no, Christianity is wrong, when really we can assume that if they were pre-Christian pagan documents, that they, they weren't saying anything about Christianity. They were just talking about their own religions, their, their own practices, their own rituals. And, and that, uh, that statement to say that it was fictitious, really, honestly, is a convenient claim uh, when you don't have the evidence there and you can just go ahead and say that. If, if I were to compare that to something, I would say it's, it would be like a whistleblower said that he had evidence that there was a crime committed in their company, but all the evidence just vanished, right? All the evidence was just gone. And there was, all we have to do is take them on their word. And that's basically what this meme is saying. What, what kind of 
argument is that? And what do you have to stand on? You, you can just say those things, which th- that's what memes do. People look at these memes and they'll say, oh, okay. And then they'll just start to share it and, you know, go around, not even thinking about how much it doesn't make sense. You see, in order to make the religion popular, they kill everyone who don't agree with the new religion and made laws prohibiting any public talk about religion. It was illegal to disagree with the church. There's a little bit of going back to 391, the burning of everything. That was not uncommon. When you had nations, they commonly burned the other, you know, whether it's a pagan uh, nation or a Christian nation or a Muslim nation, there was constant burning and getting rid of the other, you know, the, the pre-existing, uh, the, the previous nations, documents, religious artifacts, all sorts of things. So that was a regular thing. That wasn't uncommon. They would allow uh, Christians, or not Christians, but pagans to actually practice their religion still. But this isn't uncommon to pagan nations and conquering Christian nations and vice versa. There's an article from City University of New York, and it sheds a little bit more light on, on this. All right, so I want to bring up another image. The pagans of Alexandria resolved to take refuge in the Serapium and fortify it against attack. Captured Christians were forced by the pagans to sacrifice there and were tortured if they refused to do so. Theodosius first stated that the slain Christians were to be considered martyrs, but he also wanted to pardon the pagans who barricaded themselves in the Serapeum. The emperor's main objective was to completely destroy the Serapeum since he believed that it was a source of evil. As the imperial rescript was read aloud and it became clear that the pagans were being held responsible, the Christians shouting their joy assailed the temple. So you're looking at a situation where you got one side that's, that wants to sustain and continue what they're doing, the pagan side, and you got... The Christian side, which is like, okay, so they've, they've attacked some Christians. They've, they've um, taken them, tortured them, all right? And, and the emperor at the time was like, okay, so this happened. I, I'm willing to pardon these guys, but they kept pushing the issue. Eventually, he just decided we need to get rid of it. And that's sort of sort of what the, the evidence tells us. It's sort of what the historical record tells us. It doesn't mean that it was just being completely intentional, but if you go back to the Old Testament, you look at the Jews, you even see with God, he was trying to get them to separate themselves. And we'll, in the, uh, the a segment later on, I'm going to talk about a meme that sort of points out some, some weird rules and laws they were supposed to abide by, but really it's, to, it's just to separate themselves. He considered them a holy nation, and being holy like he is holy, um, they were to separate themselves and not do anything or have any kind of rituals or any kind of practices that mimicked or represented or shared any commonality with the pagan nations around them. They didn't want to be corrupted. He didn't want them to be corrupted by it. He didn't want them to take wives. He didn't want them to bring people in from those nations into them, into their, into their culture because he knew what it was going to do and what it would eventually sort of like a poison. It would eventually uh, corrupt, corrupt them as well. But the, um, popular aspect of this going back to the beam if you could pull that back up for me josh i thought this was interesting how they worded this in order to make the religion popular they kill everyone so i've never heard of that being a good way to make something popular is to kill everybody um popularity is not quite the same as as uh fear usually you're a popular person that means you're typically liked um, so killing everybody wouldn't make you typically liked. It would just make everybody fearful of you and, and forcing everybody to live in fear of you and be obedient to the rules, to the laws, to whatever it is you're proposing to them or tell them that they have to do. So, you know, if, if the claim is to force people out of fear, then, you know, that would be a better argument for this person if that was what they say. But the whole popular thing, 
Uh, that, that just doesn't hold ground. The word usage here doesn't make sense. It doesn't tell the whole story of, of all the volatility going on, the hostility, the fighting, the infighting between not just pagans and Christians, but uh, you know Muslims and, and other people groups. The last thing I want to say about this is the, uh, the last claim he says, but today Christians running around with the Bible don't know that what they are believing in was purposely planned out for them. I don't know who wrote this, but they, this is terrible, terrible English. Um, purposely planned out for them to believe by men. So it, it it's really inco- incoherent babble is what we're reading right here. Their whole point and claims above that don't really support what they're trying to say as far as how you got your Bible because that is not at all how we got our Bible. The, the acceptance of the Old and New Testament way up predates any of these dates here. Um, our church fathers, even the ones outside of the apostles, were already accepting of the New Testament books and the Old Testament books well before 250 AD even. Um, but my response really is this, okay? Human beings are the writers of every piece of literature ever written. And nobody else writes. Dogs don't write. Cats don't write. Right? Human beings are the only ones that can pick up a pen and, and, and paper and write. Kevin, Kevin Hart has got something to say to this. And I love this meme. I actually came across it. And then when I read the bottom of that, I was like, this is an appropriate time to bring this up. Atheists don't believe in the Bible because it was written by man. Tell me again, who wrote all their textbooks? Now, this is a funny comment, but there's some, there's some truth to it. Uh, if you're a naturalist, obviously you don't believe in the supernatural. You don't believe in miracles. You only believe what you can see in front of you in, in that you're not going to believe that God could inspire human beings to write anything. So, yeah, that makes sense that you're going to believe that. But it's an easy comment to make, but you're also left with a lot more questions about how do you explain things that aren't physical, that are immaterial. How do you answer those questions? Science can't answer those questions. Science can't answer how I know that I exist. Science can't answer, you know, the fundamental laws of uh, objective morality. There's, There's no way science can answer those questions. So when I'm looking at this and you, you're telling me, well, I'm not going to trust it because man wrote it. And his exact words were, you know, uh, today Christians running around with the Bible don't know that what they are believing and gets down to the bottom by men, right? Planned out for them by man. Again, going back to Lewis Schaefer's statement, man cannot write this book. I mean, I'm telling you, there are so many things in here that I would be like, no, I wouldn't write that because I got to hold myself to that standard now. Um, I have to tell myself that I'm sinful. I have to accept that I am a sinner. I have to accept that I am depraved and that there is no help for me. I have to accept these things. We're not naturally inclined to downgrade ourselves um, unless we're depressed, you know, and then we'll do it that way. But for the most part, we're not, we're not prone to do those things. That's not how we operate in our sinful nature. Now, in light of God and when we're in his presence, we are confronted with that immediately. And if we're going to make that statement, we have to apply it to everything else. If you're going to say, because men wrote the Bible, you're going to have to apply that to everything. You just can't say that it's the Bible that is going to be the thing that I'm not going to trust because men wrote it. What about Shakespeare? What about any of the old ancient other writings that we completely are okay with and believe are reliable? What about the textbook written by the professor you know, at Purdue who wrote your science book that you're studying in you know, 10th grade uh, at the local high school? How do, we, how do we decide what we're going to trust and what we're not going to trust? When you read the Bible and you actually read it, like you read it from front to back. I, I talk to so many people that, wanna, that want to dispute 
biblical claims because they saw it in a meme or they saw it on a headline or they heard it from some, you know, scientist or, you know, whatever they heard it from. They want to dispute it, but they've never read it. It's like me trying to say, hey, you know, I, 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 I thought Top Gun Maverick was a great movie. I didn't watch it, but it was a great movie. You know, I can't tell you about it, but I think it was the best movie of the year. It's probably because I'm, I'm hearing critics that, you know, really enjoyed it. I'm hearing people in my family or friends of mine that went and saw it really enjoyed it. Tom Cruise had a great performance. Yeah, Tom Cruise had a great performance. Did you see the movie? No, I didn't see the movie. How can I make claims on something that I don't know? If I've never even tried to read it and look at those claims. When you look at Genesis and you continue on Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you get into the historical books, you're moving on into through the Old Testament, you get to the prophets, you're going into the New Testament, you're seeing this common theme, and you got to understand this book was written over 1,500 years. You got to understand this book was written on three different continents, three different languages, by 40-plus different authors. But if you read it, then you're going to be amazed at the fact that this could have this continuous theme from Genesis to Revelation and it was written over 1,500 years. It was written by 40-plus different authors. It was written in many different environments and places, in prison, on a hill, in a, in a, in a palace. It was written uh, in three different languages. It was Voltaire. Voltaire said that the Bible would be gone before he was dead. The Bible's going to be here. It was here before. It's going to be here long after, you know, we're, we're gone. All right, I want to welcome my guest, Alan McFarland. What's up, everybody? He's the almost famous but mostly infamous uh, host of the Laughing Libertarian. Um, yeah, I think true. some of the words might be true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also a regular on the Faith, Family, and uh, Politics show that is hosted by our behind-the-scenes guy, Josh Cummins. He is uh, our producer here. So this segment... I'm asking Alan five questions. I am not going to rebut. I am not going to agree. I'm just going to ask questions, man. And this is your opportunity just to share your thoughts, share any comments, concerns, or questions. If you want to ask me a question, I already said I'm not going to rebut or, or anything. So this is about me asking you. And I already told Josh this. I'm pretty sure you're going to try to ask me a question somewhere in here. So You know, this, is, this, um, this lets me walk right off the pier right this lets me walk right <laughs> off the pier and um i i don't know where we lie on language i just need to because there's a big difference between the so, faith, faith family and politics language yes. and laughing libertarian language yes and obviously i imagine this wants to be family friendly of course. yes family friendly yeah. pg but old like 80s pg not like the 2020 okay. pg okay so I, I don't have to be politically correct but pg no no gotcha. no this Excellent. is for i want you to be i want you to feel comfortable to be you that's fair. Comfortable to be you, all That's right? Fair. And and me folks, around old people and children. <laughs> I have not. I I even asked him, "Do you want the questions ahead of time?" And he said, "No, I just I want to do this off the cuff." So he has, he does not know the questions are coming, and and I'm not going to sandblast him. So this I'll be fair. I'll be fair. But five questions, and uh, there may be some follow ups to some of these. But we're gonna we're gonna see get into the inner mind of of Josh or Allen. <laughs> I don't want to say Josh Allen. That's fair. Josh that's Allen. A, that's a quarterback, who, yeah, right? Who just lost uh, miserably to Aww. Mr. Joe Burrow. Um, Poor fella. Also, also in this, these these segments are going to pertain to the um, 
the topic at hand, and we're talking about the best only book of all time, the Bible. So that's what it's going to surround to. So just to give you an idea of what the, the topic is going to be about. So, all right, sir, since you graciously agreed to be a part of my show, and this will not be the first or last, this is the first. You are the first. This is you the are first. the inaugural. You are the guinea pig, actually. I am always the guinea pig. <laughs> We're about always. To see it's, how this thing goes. <laughs> the way we do it at Revolver. There we go. There yeah. we go. There's Mikey. He'll eat it. Alan will do it. Yeah. After this episode, the segment, we may never do this again. <clears throat> we'll see. <clears throat> no pressure. No so, pressure. All right. First question here. When you hear the word Bible, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, usually. I always joke with, of course, Josh's dad, and I always just say Bibli because I like to watch him turn a little pink. It's, uh, it's like, hey, dust off your old Bibli, right? Just to watch him turn a little pink, a little pink, a little right. sweat in his brow, and uh, glare at me for a few seconds. Sure. Uh, the Bible, the Bible. I, I don't have, um, you know, I, I really don't have a, a solid stance or anything attached to that. I have stories, you know, and I grew up uh, across the street from Josh and across the street, uh, across the alley from a church right. um, with a grandmother who was religious, but not outwardly religious. Gotcha. Uh, so, um, you know, we had one on the table. It kept the, it was big enough. The table couldn't move. Mm-hmm. That was, oh, that's yeah. fair. We had one at my house too. It was man. Never I, got I, open. Dusty. The thing is, I don't know if the font actually scaled to the size of the book. Right. Or the right. font was really small and the Bible was just thinner. I, sure. I'm not sure at this point because sure. I was a child. Right. Did it have praying hands on it? Was it the one with praying hands on it? I think it was. It was bright white, trimmed in gold, and I think it may have had praying hands yeah. on the front. Did you? It was. You're Catholic, right? Because we talked about this earlier. Uh, no, I'm not. It, my, my family's Baptist. Baptist. Okay. All right. Because I know you mentioned about going to Catholic church. Now, my family. I was raised Catholic. Big, huge, thick Bible. Praying hands. It was also holographic, I do believe. Oh, Not fancy. Ho- whatever it is, when it changes, you know, you look. So you could see Jesus. If you looked at one side, and you could see the praying hands on the other side. Anyways, never cracked it open. It, it just sc- got moved from house to house. The scary part of that is, is uh, were, were the hands looking at you, or was, you know, depending on the angle, was Jesus looking at you? Uh, yeah. No, I asked question. you a question. Eyes, That's your question. The, yeah, the eyes followed me. See, yeah, there you go. You're asking me questions. I knew it. I knew it. And it took how long? I mean, 30 Ooh. seconds. Not even into it, 30 seconds. There we go. I, I called to, it. I used to interview people. <laughs> called it. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Since you sort of um, you sort of answered the question but didn't answer the question when yes. you think of it. Are you, you thinking? Talk, talk so about the, the Bible. What do I think so, about it? So when you hear the word, do you think about the Bible that sat on the table? That's That's what you think about. I mean, I think it's it's an all-encompassing uh, trip down memory lane, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of every church I've ever been to, my, my right. friends who are, are more uh, who, are, who are Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily Christian. I right. do believe in God, but right. uh, I don't really subscribe to any kind of religion. Okay. So, um, nor do I really, you know, care about what your religious beliefs are. Sure. Or anyone out there? Sure. Because um, I believe that we all are entitled to that. We, yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm an American, and I believe we all have freedom to do what we mm-hmm. want. Absolutely. Um, more importantly, I'm libertarian. <laughs> which means I yes. really believe everyone yes. has the, the opportunity. To the laughing libertarian. So um, check it out. So yeah, as far as Bibles, again, I just have a collective um, trip down memory lane. I just think uh, about all the right. churches, all the different ministers and, uh, and sermons that I've heard and my, my friends and how they've lived their lives. I, right. I always think about the, the goodness and character of the people around me that I tie gotcha. to religion and that okay. book. Okay. Okay, awesome. So All right. there, I answered your question. So memory lane. That's it. It just takes you down. I got it. Okay. All right, second question. Okay. What, if anything, do you like about the Bible? Um, well, I mean, it's really, really good if you need to dry out and flatten flowers. <laughs> it does a great job of that. Um, 
And that's, I've seen that way too many times. Seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now you're bringing up memories for me. <laughs> I mean, every Bible in my mom's house yeah. has flowers in it from yeah. someone's funeral, right? right. Uh, which doesn't shed too much of a good light on the Bible for sure. me. I'm like, right. oh, look, it's death flowers littered yeah. throughout this book yeah. about God and Jesus. Yeah. I'm not reading that book. Fair it's enough. A, there's dead flowers through it. Uh, that's the, our relatives are bookmarks in right. that book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember grandma? Mm. Page 35. Yeah. Um, actually, more like 335 because you need to press. Sure. You need, you need yeah, you need the weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, the Bible, what I, what, 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 I'm sorry. So anything, what, if anything, do you like the Bible? And I'm going to follow that up, same question. The opposite of that, what, if anything, do you dislike? About okay, that's the right. Bible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So like and dislike if there are, is anything. I felt like that was a pressing question. That's why I talked about pressing flowers. Um, so. <laughs> Fair enough. It's <laughs> awful. Cha-ching. Sorry, guys. <laughs> they're not They're not all gold. Most are bronze. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I really, I mean, I can honestly say I've never read the Bible. Okay. You know. All right. And um, Again, the snippets I've gotten were being a child taken to Sunday school, uh, sure. taken yep. to church, and then dropped in Sunday school. Where I was, uh, I was a really bright kid in regular school five days right. a week, and then I got dropped in Sunday school. And they're like, "All right, children, remember this." And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "What about this?" No. Well, can you imagine the way he led his life? I mean, I, I would imagine it was good. I don't know. No, he beat his he beat his brother with a rock. Oh, well, that's really <laughs> awful. Thanks. Apparently, I'm swinging and missing. Unlike him. Right. Um, so. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really don't, I, I really, I, I don't really have a good answer as far no, as. No, I mean, it's I fair enough. Get, if you've not read the Bible, unless you, I, I guess, unless you're associating it with memory lane is like, some people would think of the Bible and they can think of a, a, a bad memory. Right. Right. And, and maybe it's not something necessarily that's in it, but something that they associate with it, you know, so. I mean, the upside is, though, and I do say this a lot, like, being on faith, family, and politics, that's not a horrible bit of marketing or anything. Um, but. Check that one out, too. Yes, it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm not on it all the time, so there are good shows. <laughs> Check Saturday. It's going to be a good one. I know it's going to be a good one. So, anyway, that's that's my church. You know, and I used to play basketball every Thursday. I was avid basketball player when I was right. younger. And I played ball at a church every Thursday and I'd get the devotional and a sermon at the mm. beginning. And that was kind of my church. Like I would get that stuff and it was, you know, it wasn't enough to make me go, yes, I want right. to, I want to read this book. But right. it was great to, I, th- I think most of us, and I, you know, I'm going to jump around a little bit. I think most people, at least like me, mm. I understand the Bible through other people's shared experiences. Gotcha. gotcha. So when someone looks at me and they go, like we had a minister for basketball, he was like, Look, when I was younger, I was this guy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not the kind of guy that, that really I needed to be. Right. And I'm here now. Right. You know, I was this, I was bad. I did these things and everything else. And I'm willing to talk about it because look where it got me. Right. And right. so it was always that, that humanizing factor because there's this issue that I've always had about going to church, no matter what church it was, whether it was right. Baptist or Catholic or whatever, whatever flavor of church I was going to, mm-hmm. um, they won't change the flavor of the Jesus. Nope. Um, and it's always grape. Yep. It's always grape. Yep. You know, juice. Yep. So um, can't get any cranberry, no matter how much your kidneys hurt. Mm-mm. I asked. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So, you know, the... Cranberry wine. 
don't know. I don't think it's a thing. I don't think it's a, no. Well, they're going to give me the juice. They didn't give me yeah. wine and the grape stuff anyway. Right, but the grape juice is supposed to mimic the wine, but right. I don't think there's cranberry juice that could mimic any wine. Right. <laughs> unless it's cran grape. I'm just thinking if you're giving me the Maybe you should have asked for cran grape. There we go. That would have been the 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 kind of middle ground. Halfway, yeah, it's right. halfway. I just want I just want my blood of Christ to be you know standard blood color. Sure, yeah. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, there's just something about you know when I would go to church and I would I would see the people put on the face, put on right. the church face, put on right. the church voice, put on the church mannerisms, and yeah. um, you know as you can tell, and if you watched my show, I, I really. Other than my over-the-top reactor set this morning, I don't know what happened to me yesterday. I, I don't hide very well. Sure. I, I don't put on the face. Right. I'll put on, you know, funny voices and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, I don't have a good way of really just putting a screen up. And I'm sorry, I always look at the camera. It's just a, oh, no, it's a habit. That's fine. When, I'm on my show I'm looking at you because you're talking. I know. And I'm always like, yeah. I'm like hey, yeah. I need to engage these people. No, because hey, they're listening too. Look at us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's... That was always the thing that put me off about church. Right. Church was the, you know, the book's great. The masks and the, stuff. The the religion's great. The people right. are great. But I need you to be real. And yeah. So those mm. those moments that impacted me the most throughout sure. my life have been those moments where I've literally got to talk to someone and they said, hey, I was this awful person in right. my first marriage and, you know, I beat my wife. I did these things. I'm not saying that's great, but I'm just saying that's, right. yeah. that's yeah, yeah, real. Yeah. That's, that's rooted real. in something. Yeah. And they said, you know, one day I... I Woke up, you know, hung over in a jail cell, and right. that was the day I said, you know, I have to, I have to change. Sure. And that was when, when God or, or Jesus reached out to me, right, and uh, yeah, helped me, you know, gave me a crutch to then make a change in my life and look where I am. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's that's good. That's real. That's good stuff right there. I I, I appreciate that, and I think that is something. Uh, I think for you out there, if, as you're hearing, it's self-admitted, not Christian. Um, would you say you're agnostic? Um, I, I, you know, I've said I'm agnostic. Uh, I look at a lot of my, my, probably my beliefs, my theological beliefs. And I, Mm -hmm. I have to say that, um, I'm kind of torn. Like there's certain, there's certain aspects of Judaism that I think I'm, I'm close to, but I I can't really do this. I kind of have to just stick with the moniker of agnostic because if I can't go all in, if I, if I can't, I can't dip my toe in six (laughs) different religions and go, Yes. Yeah. Because then I have to cram, I have to like find some way to like cram all the all names the, together. Yeah. And like you know, it's uh, it's not like, it's not like a couple's yeah, name. Benefer, yeah, or something yeah, like it's that. not yeah. like splitting yeah. a couple's name in jail. Yeah, nobody together. wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, we've done that enough already. Yeah. Well, since 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 you you said that you've never read the Bible, I'm going I'm going to change this question a little bit. <laughs> in in how you've perceived the Bible through other people. <clears throat> How reliable do you believe the Bible to be? Okay. Happy you asked this question. It, it was great because I got to sit there and listen to him uh, say the things you've already heard. <laughs> so um, I have, you know, I respect the Bible. And I've said this before. And I'm going to be just true. I'm not, I'm going to yeah. be completely honest and true. That's I'm why not, we're here. I'm not going to change my answer in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely. So historically, I've always said that I give the utmost respect to faith. Right. Because it's hard. I'm a person who likes tangible goods. Yeah, yeah. So to have faith in something, you are you are putting yourself out there for something that you can't see. Right. So I have a ton of respect for that. Um, along, and I will get to your question. I promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as religion, I always mm-hmm. look at religion as a, a positive influence that teaches um, great 
I, I don't, I hate to say manners, but like great life lessons. Sure. And also gives you the com- values. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Great values. Um, not great value brand though. Don't find your Bible if it has great value on the front of it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> never thought about that, but that's a true statement. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. The, the morals, the values, the best way to lead your life. And it also is great as a great coping mechanism mm-hmm. to help people understand or at least uh, find solace when you have to deal with, you know, the right. end of life or right. the loss of a loved one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That being said, mm-hmm. I give the Bible the same literary respect as I would Moby Dick. Okay. And that's just because, and, and to the, to the point of sure. what you said, we were saying earlier, right. History books. Gotcha. You know, I, I don't personally trust anything, anything written by man, <laughs> period. Um, and, and I, I there's right. things I want to jump into, and I'm not going to jump ahead <laughs> because I know you're going to want to build on right. this. But, yes, I, I don't say that it's false. Right. I don't say that it's 100% true, and I can't, I can't sure. trust it. Right. Um, I respect it for, the con- for what it can do for people. Gotcha. But I don't necessarily go, okay, that happened. Yes, right. that happened too. Which I'm assuming you sort of, that's how you look at most religious text. Correct. Right. And, okay. And, uh, there's stuff to pull out of it. Yeah, there's value. That, that's value in it. There's obviously stuff that is, in your opinion, probably not of value, things that are not good, right? And depending on whatever religion you're talking about, right? Okay. I mean, it's, right. it's telling. But it, it's, it's, for, it's, for living life. It's telling a tale to get to an end sure. that gives you a positive net. It gives right. you a net positive, right? Right. It, that, in my eyes, it is literally just, here's this. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it was somebody's experience that through generations of change or right. something like that or, or got exploited a little further. Sure. But at the end of the day, no matter how I feel about how we got to the end, yeah. the end is a net positive. Right. So when you when you look at so I'm not going to ask my fourth question because again going back to what you've already admitted about not reading the Bible that's yes. fine yes and that sort of does change some of the things so um so on that with the reliability let me ask you this okay you take away all religious text okay let's just say there's no religious text out there world's void of God I'm Ugh. curious to know where do we find our moral grounding in. And that's interesting because I actually believe in God and I believe in the moral grounding right, already, right? right? Um, so, well, I mean, then you have to really break down human culture to begin with, right? right. Like, we, we do have instinctive, uh, we do have, in, you know, an instinctive moral compass. Mm-hmm. It, it's not necessarily taught to us. There are levels to right. that, though. Right. You know, we, as human beings, we've gotten to this point. Now, great, now granted, we are a uh, violent warring species sure but we're not yep. violent and warring toward our own people typically we typically right. go you are different you are from somewhere else you are coming into my territory we're very territorial people mm-hmm. however those good morals are typically built inside of our own communities sure and then sure. you hope that those communities grow and, <clears throat> and spread that right uh even if you have to you know kill off a whole tribe right I'm, yeah. kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just, I'm just hitting yeah. on the, are you trying to go to the old Testament on me? On the... <laughs> I'm just having fun with it, man. Just, I, <laughs> I saw it, but no, I mean, literally, I, just, yeah. I think we, we learned those because otherwise we would have been mm-hmm. extinct Yeah. before we could ever worry about a book being written. Yeah. So, so I'm just going to say this to you guys right now, being that this is the first time that I've done this segment 
in this way and saying, I've got questions and I've already said I will not rebut and I would not agree and I'm just going to further the question asking. Let me tell you how hard it is to do this segment right now because I would love to have a back and forth on this particular topic. But that will be for another time because we got other segments we're going to do with uh, that are going to be more in that uh, realm of discussion. So we're definitely going to have to have a, a revisit of this. But I'm going to move on for sake of time. Last absolutely, question. Absolutely. Fire away. Why do you think the Bible is the reigning book, sell, best-selling book of all time? Well, there's longevity. I mean, let's just let's just talk about that, okay. right? I mean, you it, when you're multi-generational, mm-hmm. uh, including you know over a thousand years, you right. you kind of you kind of get the you get a foot in the door. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you don't believe that, try to open up a, a small shop when you're going against Starbucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I understand this. Right. Great. So, great. So, um, I mean. That didn't stop Prince Harry from finishing second in just a few weeks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. They're saying that's the best-selling book since the Bible. Yeah, he might have should have taken more time on that one. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Anyways. There's so many things I want to yeah, say about that. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's for FFP. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh, not the things well, I want to say. Okay. <laughs> and, and just real quick, just real quick. Because we've mentioned my show... Um, Please, it's not kid-friendly. Most episodes, you could probably, you cannot. There are a couple you probably could, but don't risk it. Don't risk it. Please watch it after the kids go to bed. And even then, some of you, I love you guys, <laughs> and I appreciate it. I will not have my feelings hurt if you say no. <laughs> okay? Like, I get it. It's not for everybody. So yeah. I just want to do that. That's sure. Disclaimer. Anytime yeah. no, we no, mention no. my show, I always want to put to I'm going to say some things about your show after we're done here. So, yeah. It's good stuff. Well, okay. don't, don't worry about it. There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> so anyway, um, why is it why is it the the bestseller? Besides longevity. Besides longevity, okay, I can I can build on that. And 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 being as do you agree that is as persecuted as it is? Do you think that's when you look at other when you look at other ancient script? I mean, we look at Islam, we look at the Quran, we look at um, newer religions like you know a Book of Mormon, or we look at uh, any of the. Uh, books uh, the, the writings from hinduism or buddhism like we look at those right do those seem to be as persecuted as highly as the bible is and if not how has it survived so okay i can i can build on this, this is fine persecution of the bible and of the of christianity in general mm. and christianity i i hate using christianity as a, a catch-all blanket term because right. when we compare it to like islam and things mm-hmm. like that it, you know muslims are muslims are muslims are muslims mm-hmm. no, no offense that's not that's not saying that you know i'm discrediting any given person what right. i'm saying is when we look at christianity christianity is several sects mm-hmm. of people that come mm-hmm. together under an umbrella with several different beliefs so it okay. allow christianity is allowed flexibility right so that's what's really really helps grow because, you know, if I'm going, hey, man, Danny, I know how you feel. Right. I can meet you 95% of the way. Right. I don't like this. Sure. Then you're like, okay, that's fine. I accept you. Mm-hmm. And then I go, cool, let's carve out this little bit here. And right. as long as we both agree on these things, are you okay with me calling it this? Right. You know, and that's kind of one of the reasons why it's been able to stay, you know, relevant is sure. because it it's allowed that flexibility. Whereas like, Islam is not going to allow that, right? You know, um, you know any of the the Hindu or the uh, Buddhists, stuff like that. You know, they don't really allow tons of flexibility. Right. This is the belief: you're either here, or you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, as far as persecution, persecution, um, 
it's kind of all over the place. I mean, if you look in Central America, there's not really that much persecution mm-hmm. against it because right. it's the dominant religion, right? Mm-hmm. If you look in America, in, in North America, Canada and U.S., you sorry about that, guys. You are looking at persecution. That's just because right. of the culture that we we breed here. Right. Um, we breed a culture that says, uh, and, and believe I'm not agreeing with 100 percent of this. I'm just pointing out the fact that we come from a culture that basically looks at anybody we think is a, a piece of a, is authority, right. and we go, no, we don't have to be like you. We don't have to conform. No. And so, unfortunately, that becomes whoever's the top dog, whoever's mm-hmm. the big thing, is going to be. There's some pe- there are people who are going to rise up against it. It's sure. popular to do so. Yeah. Um, and you're starting to see that because we set the pace and we set the tone for the mm-hmm. world. You're seeing that in Europe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the second part of that question? I'm sorry. No, I think, I think that, that you, you answered it. I think that you're, you're getting to the idea that there, there is persecution out there depending on where you're at. I mean, you didn't bring up China. It's highly persecuted there and, and other, oh, you know, other countries that similar to what China holds, North Korea, obviously. Um, and then a lot of the Muslim countries, right? Um, but no, I, I think, I think you, you nailed it. Longevity is a good point. The persecution, um, is, is something else. So no, you answered it clearly. I think you answered it clearly. And I think kudos to Alan here for, again, for somebody who has not read the Bible and, and still has opinions, you know, um, now I just got done saying, if you haven't read the Bible, should you have an opinion? And I'm not going to agree or disagree with him right now because that's not what we're here to do. But this is also a conversation that I know I can have with Alan and he can have with me. And we've already talked a little bit about this as well. Um, You know, the idea of us being able to have that conversation is something that I encourage everybody out there to be able to do. He's coming on the show. He knew what this was going to sort of lean towards. I was a little nervous. Yeah. Because this isn't my cup of tea. You know, when I'm on camera, (laughs) I'm in control of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I will say this about his show, and I'll say this about Alan. He he is... Uh, somebody who who is very committed to his his beliefs and, and his ideas and, and things, but he's also willing to have that conversation. Uh, the Laughing Libertarians, hilarious. Yes, it is not kid friendly. Um, I've seen several episodes and it's very it's very well done. I encourage you guys to, to watch it. I encourage you to watch Family, Faith, and Politics as well. They they have uh, three segments in there: just fa- the faith segment, the family segment, the politics segment, and, and there's usually a group of them. They bring a sermon and then they talk about. Uh, several things and then bring it to some intentional conversation at the end when it, when it gets into politics. But, um, and there's a variety of guys on there. Um, and there's Change usually out, somebody yeah. that brings in another sermon and Alan and, uh, um, Louie, Louie, who is, uh, who has, uh, got his show, uh, Rodriguez rants. Right up. And, um, so there's also that as well. You can check out, but it's a great show, guys. Uh, Revolver Studio is doing a lot of great things. They've allowed me to come on here, and I'm very appreciative of them to allow me to be able to do uh, to do this show and even uh, be a little frustrating and revamp it and rebrand it from the old what is the truth about to, you know, it makes sense. But uh, this segment, man, I think you did a great job, you know. We we didn't do anything here. You're with us now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, I'm with them. We're not they anymore. Yeah, that's true. We're we. I'm on the team. You're on the team. I'm on the team. So we're going to move on to the next segment. We're going to talk about a meme that doesn't make sense. Actually, it was a, a tweet by the uh, late, great David Crosby. So we'll stay tuned and be back. Dude. All right. So we're going to do the it doesn't make sense segment right now. And what that is is either I'm using a meme or a video or something I'm going to talk about. 
and it just doesn't make sense. But we're going to try to make sense of it from a Christian worldview, all right? This week's It Doesn't Make Sense meme is going to be about David Crosby. I don't know if you heard in the news recently, but he passed away. David Crosby is the Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby part of that, obviously. He also was with the Birds, a couple of songs that maybe some of you uh, of the mature, more mature generation um, were with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Helplessly Hoping, Love the One You're With, Southern Cross. These are songs I grew up with. My dad loved Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, and the Birds, a little bit older group, and he was in the Music Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Music Hall of Fame, in both of, uh, inducted with both of these bands. But Turn, 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 and Mr. Tambourine Man. So David Crosby was a very outspoken uh, liberal, and he had a lot of things to say, and he had some, you know, rough-ups with his own uh, band members in Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but for the most part, he produced and, and made great music, some great harmonies. This was a tweet that he posted just a few days before he died. There's two things I want to address to this. The tweet itself that he's talking, commenting, but he tweeted out this uh, from Stifler's mom, not looking good, and that was looking at a Google search. Can we go to heaven with tattoos? And the response was, people with tattoos will not go to heaven. People who drink alcohol will not go to heaven. And people who eat too much pork will also not go to heaven. And then the last one, short people will not go to heaven. And then, of course, Craig says, the deepest circle of hell is reserved for tattooed, bacon-loving, alcoholic midgets. And then there was Dave Crosby's response when he treated, tweeted it. I heard the place is overrated, cloudy. And that's obviously he's making a comment about heaven. Um, Crosby was an atheist and I don't know how he died and hopefully he come to know the Lord before he did. But here's the thing. I want to address the tweet, the, the, the Google search first. And this is something that we hear a lot about, uh, as an apologist, I'm always defending this. Matter of fact, I had this comment conversation with my wife who's very adamantly against tattoos and I, for the life of me would love to get one, but I just never wanted to spend the money on it. First of all, second of all, my wife does not like them. Um, but I did do a study on this uh, years ago because I was like, what's up with tattoos? I, I, I'm thinking about getting one, you know, and I see other Christians that have one. So the verse is Leviticus 19.28. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or your tattoos or tattoos or tattoo yourself. I am the Lord. God had a lot of laws in Leviticus. There, this is where we get the crux of them and all the way throughout uh, the rest of those first five books of the Old Testament. And these, these laws were there for various reasons, largely to separate them, whether it was not putting together two different cloths, whether it was, you know, eating shellfish, whether it was, you know, tattoos, um, things like that. With the tattoos, they were, the pagan nations were marking themselves, they were cutting themselves, and he, he wanted to make sure the Jews were separating themselves from that. And you can almost apply that to the rest of the ones that were in that, uh, that are in that Google search as well. It was a common practice that the pagan nations did, and God's like, no, you're separated from that. All right, you're going to abstain from other things. And they had, they had to abstain from cutting their hair in certain places, animals with a particular hoof, when we'll talk about pork here in a minute. These are all things that they were to refrain from because holy actually means set apart. The real debate here is not the law, but what was the motivation before it. So, like, even think of today, we think of tattoos, and, you know, Christians want to get a tattoo. Is it to be a witness? Or is it to be like the world? Are you looking for acceptance of the world? Or are you looking to spread a message? All right. Is it something personal? Maybe some, some people hide their tattoos. It's not for something in the world they want to see. There's something personal about it. 
it's it's not a sin. I don't think it's going to be a sin. Now, if the motivation is to be like the world, then that's something that you and God have got to have a conversation about because why is it that we want to be like the world when we're supposed to be set apart from it? Nowhere in the Bible does it say alcohol is, is a sin to drink. There are verses that talk about refraining from strong wine uh, because of temptation and, and possible destruction. Uh, but there's also parts of the Bible that, that give alcohol somewhat of a uh, positive review. It does say drunkenness is absolutely a big no. Let's look at pork, Leviticus 11.7. And the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed but does not chew the cut, is unclean to you. So pigs and other animals regularly used in pagan uh, sacrifices. Uh, the Canaanites, which uh, we'll get into them on another time, but they were very vicious, um, very disturbed culture. There was a lot of terrible things they did with babies. They did with people in general. But pigs was something they used regularly in sacrifices. And God was like, not only do I want you to stay away from them, but also, too, because there's this, not like today, I mean, some parts of the world, I'm sure, but, you know, where we live, we, there's not really a problem with undercooked meat. But you can undercook beef, but you can't undercook pork. And that was something that was common. So it was also a health thing. Helped them, helped them stay healthier. Now, the last one is, it caught me. I, I hadn't heard this one. And I thought this, <laughs> thought this was funny, pretty humorous, because I was like, surely nowhere does it say you can't be short. But short people will not go to heaven. I mean, that's the claim that this this Google uh, search, I don't know how that came up, but that's what it makes. Leviticus 21, 18 through 20, believe it or not. For no one has an impairment shall approach a man who is blind or one who limps or one who has a slit nose or one with any conspicuous feature or someone who has a broken foot or broken hand or a contorted back or one who is a dwarf or has a spot in his eye, or a festering rash, or scabs, or crushed testicles. Ouch. That hurts. Okay, so you remember what I said on the four points on how not to read your Bible? One of those points, number three, was never read a verse, which means never read a verse in isolation. And this person committed this, this, uh, this foul right here if they read a verse at all, or if they're just repeating something else they saw. They only read 18 through 20. But if you read the entire chapter of Leviticus 21, this is actually talking about the requirements to be a priest. Only certain people with certain requirements could be priests. They had to be holy and set apart. They couldn't be just like the sacrifices that they were that the nation of Israel was supposed to bring were supposed to be unblemished, the best of the best. Now, that's not to say a person who is challenged by height is is less than anybody else that's not what they're saying here but in this culture in the things that he points out here these were defects to god that he's saying this these people cannot serve in this capacity he never says in any of this or any of that chapter that these people especially a dwarf that these people can't go to heaven okay it would be like having one leg or 12 fingers is just something that was not usually natural. What was the norm? And, and, and these were the people who were excluded. But again, that it, it was not saying that they couldn't go to heaven. Okay. All right. So I want to finish this, this segment with what David Crosby tweeted, because in light of the fact that we know that he passed away, and this is something that I want all of you to consider. I want all of you to think about up until the day that, you know, we don't know the day or the hour God could take us, you know, I could kill over right now on my way home or, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Who knows? 
something we gotta we gotta understand is this idea of heaven and hell. Um, he says, I heard this place is overrated. Uh, I don't know why he made this comment. You know, the whole cloudy thing. I, I don't know why he said this. Um, I mean, if we're just looking at the comment itself, you know, illogically, obviously nobody came back from the dead to tell him it was overrated. If anything, to the contrary, anybody who has uh, been clinically declared dead and has come back to life and has a story of what they saw beyond um, have never said that it was overrated. Um, If anything, they were (laughs) a little disappointed that they came back. But nonetheless, he said, I heard this place is overrated, and and this is just a, a... a lack of understanding, first of all, of not really reading what the Bible, which is the authority on heaven and hell, tells us about what hell is and what heaven is. It's hard to describe either in human terms because neither neither of those places have we ever experienced. Hell on earth for me has been experiencing anxiety and hopelessness and depression uh, in, in such a depth that uh, I can see why people end up killing themselves. And, and, that's, and that's a tough place to be. But I am, I am confident that hell, that that is going to be a part of hell. God not being there and that his, only his justice is going to be serving there, that is, that is something that, we won't, that a person will not experience if that's where they choose to go. And when I say choose, yes, that is a place we choose to go. We have free will. We choose whether or not we want to be there or we want to be with God. It just It's up to us. Now, as far as heaven goes, I've never heard anything heard a couple of really amazing descriptions, but even those descriptions probably it won't do it justice until we're actually there and see it with our own eyes. Um, as far as overrated, I hope Crosby, before he took his last breath, made things right with God, um, accepted Jesus as personal Lord, Savior, and learned that it was, if anything, the most underrated place uh, ever talked about. So I'll leave it at that. So I want to close by saying this. If there's ever been anything in my life that has been one of the most important things to me other than my relationship with Jesus Christ, it is God's Word. People ask me, you know, have you read God's Word in its entirety? I was like, yeah, I have. Multiple occasions, but I will never stop. I'm going to always do that. Uh, When I first read the Bible from uh, front to back, it was really for just to say I did it. I did learn a lot, but I tell people if you want to read it for quality, not necessarily quantity. I, I know a lot of people, they've read the Bible from front to back, and, and they seem to know no more about God than when they started. And, that, and that's, in my opinion, that's a waste and it's a shame. But if you're reading it for quality, if you're studying it, like I was talking about in the very beginning, and, and you're digging into it, and you're taking a verse, and you're picking it apart, and you're looking at words, and you're trying to say, hey, what is the Greek word for this English word? Or what's the Hebrew word for this English word? Or, what was some of the customs back then? You know, when Jesus told me this, you know, shares this parable with, with his, you know, disciples, what were some of the things that meant specifically something important to them with something they only know about that they can relate to that I don't relate to in the sense of I didn't live in that culture at that time. And when you dig into it like that, it becomes much more real and you become much more confident about it because the truth stands out even more. Uh, it, it it's not hard now these days when I'm reading and just going, wow, that makes sense. And now let me clarify when, and I, and I said this in the first episode, it can make sense, but you may not understand. It makes sense that God created the universe. I don't understand how he did it. I'm not God, but it makes sense because that being the answer to 
the origin of the universe versus the Big Bang theory being the origin to the universe makes a heck of a lot more sense to me. Things like that, I really encourage you, if you're skeptical, don't don't leave your skepticism at the door by just saying, well, I'm just going to take whatever it is I see on the internet and just assume that that's right without reading it. I mean, you wouldn't do that with the newspaper, hopefully, and articles that you read. I mean, I see it happens a lot, and I see it just in our news, in our media. They do it all the time, but don't be that person. Don't be the person that you miss the most important thing ever to know in your life because it's a matter of life and death because you decided to take somebody else's word for it and not check into it yourself. If you come across something that literally can save your life, it is a matter of life and death. That is what's at stake. And you need to dig in a little bit more to find out really what is the truth of the matter in that. Would you do it? I would think you would. I did. And I'm praying that you do. So the I start this off with, with God's word because it's the truth. And by his truth and, and by what Jesus did for us, there's nothing more important. You won't make a more important decision in your life. And if you're a Christian out there, know what you believe. Don't go out there and try to defend your faith in, your, in what you believe without having the knowledge of God in you. Study your Bible. That's where you learn and get to know God and who he is. That's what he gave to you. Use it. So, folks, I thank you for hanging out with me today. Uh, Hey, look, on all the things that we're on, uh, Josh could tell you all about that, but we're everywhere. We can Spotify, Rumble, YouTube, wherever. Look us up. Look at the episode. Share, like, follow, comment, you know, engage, ask questions, challenge. I appreciate you guys. Have a great day.